A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week, we are looking back at San Remo. We are looking ahead to Germany, and we've got a special wedding congratulations for two Eurotrip listeners. It's time for the Eurotrip. The Eurotrip, when I read that, I was immediately thinking of the movie. Do you know the movie? Hi, I'm Leanne. Hello, Leanne. Uh, Leanne, are you a Eurotrip podcast listener? I am, yes! <laughs> I, I should say, I met some Eurotrip fans here. I was chatting with people outside the entrance, and they said, oh, are you, are you Bella Fist? And I said, yeah, I know you're from the Eurotrip. What did you have for breakfast? It was last night. I did not have a kebab for breakfast. Queen Lorene, Eurovision winner. Did you ever think you would be back here again? I get goosebumps. No way. Martin Ossadar, Executive Supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. Welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much. Welcome back, I think it is, right? Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, we are going to chat to somebody we've never spoken to on the podcast before, focusing on everything Germany at the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, this is something that you have to stick around for. It's an interview that we've been wanting to do for ages. We've been teasing it on our socials over the last few weeks. We've been inviting your questions. And we have finally had the opportunity to speak to Alexandra Wolfslast. Now, she is, well, firstly, she's someone with a brilliant name. Uh, secondly, <laughs> she is Germany's head of delegation at the Eurovision Song Contest. You don't need me to tell you that Germany's results in recent years at Eurovision have not been great. In fact, statistically, they have done the worst in the grand final of Eurovision of any nation in the last few years. It's not the stat you want, is it, James? And you are the stats man. <laughs> but we talked to her all about what she's doing to try and improve Germany's fortunes and also what people can expect from Germany as they pick their entry for Eurovision 2024. That's what's happening on Friday. So we've got loads to chat about and it's on the way later on. 
Yes, very, very much looking forward to hearing that interview in fall. But of course, that's looking ahead to Friday when their national selection is on TV. But there's also loads more to look back on. We got another handful of songs that are going to be going to Malmo for Eurovision this year at the weekend, including the Italian entry. San Remo took place last week. It got, I think it's safe to say, record viewing figures. It made a ton of money through advertising revenue. It was a very popular event. It was Angelina Mango that won. So I'll be sitting down with Marta Cagnola from Radio 24 in Italy to find out all about San Remo last week. And you might remember, we heard a bit of the UK's entry last week as well. So we might talk about that in a sec. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Euro Trip. Well, I think that might be a good place to start, actually. Ollie Alexander, he cheekily released a snippet of his Eurovision song last Wednesday. So, of course, the day we released the episode last week. As it always seems to happen, news always seems to drop the moment after we record or the day of release. And also, I've got a bone to pick with Lee Smithurst because he knows full well that this podcast comes out on a Wednesday. So <laughs> do you not think they could have worked Ollie's release schedule and his teaser schedule around us here on the Euro trip? Do we not deserve that? I mean, I'll be honest, I don't think they gave us a second thought, but it was very <laughs> exciting, wasn't it? It was, yes. I remember hearing that snippet for the first time. And I think I was late to the party, I must admit, because I scrolled Twitter and I saw his tweet and it said 30 minutes ago. And I thought, oh, gosh, I, I better listen to it. I better tell Rob. I told you, Rob. And you happened to have tweeted about it 25 minutes previously. You hadn't even bothered to tell me it was out. Oh, I've got to, got to think about my social media following, James. You know this better than anyone. <laughs> Before we talk about it anymore, let's have a quick listen. So yeah, we got 20 seconds of it, I think. So still a significant amount of the song still to come. We now know, of course, two things. The song is called Dizzy, but then we knew that already. And the song is going to be released, James, on the 1st of March. Yes. So two weeks on Friday? Three weeks on Friday? Oh, I can't remember. Two weeks on Friday, isn't it? But I reckon, I don't think this has been said yet, but I reckon we're probably going to get a performance of it on the 29th of February. Are you on the same page as I am? What's happening on the 29th of February? I just feel like they might do a performance of it on TV somewhere on the 29th. But then what's on the 1st of March, James? The Graham Norton show is on the 1st of March. Oh, so you think they're going to release it and going to have them on Graham Norton? Yeah, I think they're going to save that first performance for Graham Norton, maybe. I don't know. And then, James, if if, if this is how it works out, what's mm. then the following day? Saturday the 2nd of March is the Brit Awards. Yes, yes. And when we spoke to, to Lee and Will from the BBC last month, they said they want Eurovision to be seen as a, a UK event, not just a BBC event. And the Brit Awards are shown on ITV, so a rival broadcaster. So who knows? Yeah, it could be on Graham Norton on BBC One on the Friday and then the Brit Awards on the Saturday. This is all speculation, we, we must add. We, we, we don't know for sure. We are just speculating, probably like you are at home. I do enjoy, though, everyone that appears to have decided that either the UK are winning Eurovision or that the UK have got a terrible entry and it was all just hype and it's not a good song. All of this based on 20 seconds. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Eurovision fans, we know, we often do. We, we jump to conclusions after hearing a 20 second snippet often as well. But yeah, we still have to wait for the full song. But from what we've heard so far, it does sound promising. 
Yeah, I don't know who I'm preaching to. I'm exactly that person. <laughs> and I've done exactly the same thing with Austria's song, although we've got significantly more of Austria's song, despite the fact it's not actually been released yet. But uh, yeah, when Austria do release their song, by the way, I am excited for that. <laughs> because I think I called myself a rock girly on last week's show. Uh, I am also, and I am more so, a pop girly. So very, very excited for both Ollie and for Austria's uh, entry from Colleen uh, this year. James, we've mentioned socials, the reaction to Ollie's song. We have had such a reaction on social media over the last few days. I would like to bring back something we did on the pod last week. Is that okay? Yes, go for it. I think, I'm, I, think I know what it might be. Well, this might be another clue. It is time, James, and I know you're excited for another edition of Eurovision Songs in the Wild. I'm surprised this still has legs, I must admit. I thought this might have died a long time ago, but the uh, the, the suggestions, the submissions keep flooding in. They really, really do. So thank you to all of you who have been getting in touch. So Eurovision Songs in the Wild, I'm sure you know this. We mentioned it on the show last week. We've mentioned it before. Uh, this is when you hear a Eurovision song somewhere that you aren't expecting to hear it. The niche the better, the weirder, the better... And you've been getting in touch in your, I was going to say thousands, that might be pushing it a bit, but loads of you have been getting in touch. So we've had a load more emails through over the last seven days since we spoke to you last. I will start with this one from Alicia. Uh, My favourite Eurovision song in the world, or Eurovision song encounter, as Alicia calls it, uh, must be getting food in the school cafeteria, where they usually play more rap Afrobeatish music. What school Mm. canteen plays rap and Afrobeats? Love it. Love a bit of that. Anyway, it gets weirder, and you'll appreciate this, James. And any Melfest Monday listeners will like this as well. Uh, I was uh, queuing up in the school canteen, and then suddenly a very high beat club remix of Kiki Danielson's song oh. from 1985 comes on. Wow. So hold on. They must go to school in Sweden then, surely. You'd assume so. Uh, certainly not what I was expecting, but it was really funny, especially since the remix was so intense. Me and my friends, who are also <laughs> Eurovision fans, sang along, and it was great fun. Thank you so much for the amazing podcast. Kiki Danielson's been getting a lot of promo on the pod over the last few weeks. She has, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm here for it, so thank you. Indeed. For anyone that's not been listening to Malfest Monday, Kiki Danielson, who, of course, former representative of Sweden, has been coming up a lot in recent weeks. Uh, another, another Swedish submission, James, although not from Sweden, but this is a Swedish song. Uh, Ollie got in touch on email. He said, new to the podcast this year, absolutely loving it. Welcome on board, Ollie. Uh, heard Vanguard Avent Stormwind walking past a dance class in Malta, which is a firm favourite song of ours. Wow. It's a, a good one to dance to then, is it? Have, have you done a dance class with, uh, with that tune? I've not, but I might. Are you interested? We could put one on in Malmö if you wanted. Yeah, <laughs> the Eurodrips dance lessons daily in Malmo. Or we could do a, um, we could do like a Zumba, maybe. All right, okay. Somebody out there must do Zumba. If you're listening, do you do Zumba and do you have a Eurovision playlist? And if you do, let us know. I'd l- I'd like to see what what's on that playlist. If you do, let us know and also share it because I'd be all over. Y- that. Yes, so Rob can can go for a, a Zumba session. <laughs> and then finally from Emily. Hi guys, new subscriber to the podcast, so another new listener, loving my weekly Eurovision fix. I have a double Eurovision in the wild to present. I was in Bulgaria for a wedding last year, and during check-in at the hotel, the TV and reception was playing the music video for Tattoo. Nice. Mm -hmm. 
we like it. Uh, and then the second song submission, uh, I was at the actual wedding. So obviously the wedding that she was attending, that she was checking in the, into the hotel for. And during the disco, the DJ started playing Eurovision winner Helena Paparitsu, my oh, number nice. one. Great song for a wedding. I completely agree. Uh, Emily throws it back to us as well. She says, question for you both. Which other Eurovision songs would be good to play at a wedding? Maybe as your first dance or to get people on the dance floor? Well, I was gonna I was gonna mention that because you didn't play my number one at your wedding, did you? No, I didn't. What did we have at our wedding Eurovision wise? I think we, we just went down the, the, the euphoria route. You know, the, the, the crowd the crowd pleasing route. Although I do remember when I got the invitation to your wedding and it was an online invitation. You remember, Rob, because you you sent out the invitation. And one of the questions on there was, which song will get you on the dance floor? And I thought this was an open call for any music you wanted. If you send it in, we will play it. So I thought, well, what do I really want to hear at Rob's wedding? So I said, go A and shum. (laughs) And did that get played? Did it heck? What's going on there? I'll let you into something here. Every single time that song comes up, which I'll be honest at home, isn't often, Emma absolutely hates it. (laughs) She hates Shum. So she vetoed it. She saw my request and went, not a chance. Yeah, like irrationally. Although now looking back on it, that would have been very fun. The idea that an aunt and uncle who have no idea what's going on (laughs) end up having to listen to Shum at a wedding. But yes, there you are then, Emily. Shum is our suggestion. But... Thank you very much to all of you who have been in touch with Eurovision Songs in the Wild. And James, if anyone wants to get in touch with anything, maybe they've got a Zumba Eurovision playlist, maybe they have another Eurovision Song in the Wild, or maybe they have another suggestion for Emily of Eurovision Song at a Wedding. How can they do Yes. Yes, of course. Well, you can email us, hello at eurotrippodcast.com, or you can follow us and get in touch with us online. We are at Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. So from Eurovision and Zumba and weddings, uh, also, by the way, we will have a wedding shout out to do on the podcast. If you are a Eurotrip listener and you've just got married, which I appreciate is a very niche audience, stay tuned because <laughs> we will give you a mention a little bit later on. Uh, but James, yeah, it's time for the very latest news from the world of Eurovision. And we have had another three songs joining the class of 2024. Yes, we have. Yes. So we got the song from Finland and Latvia and Italy at the weekend. Let's have a quick lesson. Good, 
So in order there, we heard Windows 95 Man uh, with No Rules. We then heard Dons with Hollow from Latvia and then Angelina Mango with La Noia. Uh, I think it's worth us just having a very quick chat about UMK because we focused on it heavily last week. Uh, a super-sized show over there in Tampere, wasn't it? It was unbelievable, wasn't it? Like every single person that I saw on my socials who was there, and seemingly was a lot of Eurovision fans there from not just Finland. It looked like everyone who went had the most incredible time. And increasingly, that is becoming a very heavily underlined part of my future plans, I think. Yes. Weirdly, actually, I bumped into somebody at work earlier in the week um, on Monday, and they said they had went to Tambra. Was it Sarah Alto? (laughs) No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. So I asked him about it, and uh, my biggest question was, what was the weather like? And he said, well, I don't don't think it got above minus 15. Nice. Yeah, that's what you want, isn't it? That's what you want. I mean, I've always said that I'm not a hot weather person, so this sounds ideal. Ideal for you. But yeah, we've got Windows 95 Man as the winner. And there's still some question marks on whether or not he can still call himself Windows 95 Man uh, at Eurovision itself. There's still some debate. So I feel like that one might rumble on. Yeah, Computer Program Man or Computer Man doesn't quite sound as good, does it, unfortunately? (laughs) But yeah, fascinating to see how that song does at Eurovision. There's already loads of discourse around that, isn't there, and how it may do. I think there is every chance it might be the song that gives us the biggest difference between jury score and televote score in the history of Eurovision potentially perhaps yes uh as we mentioned as well Latvia so Dons with with Hollow he won Supernova and we'll focus in on Italy in just a second uh, there's a couple of other national selections that were, were ramping up as well at the weekend so of course we had another heat in Melfest don't forget to go and listen back to Melfest Monday for your Melfest fix and then we got uh, another heat the fifth heat in Lithuania uh, and a stat that I uh, I saw at the weekend from uh, from Will, from who does six on stage, you know. Uh, he did a stat about the Roop, because they win that competition. James, 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 like... James, James, what's six on stage? I hear you cry. Well, I'm crying. Oh, six on stage. I'm crying ah, on well, behalf of the listeners. Perhaps one of the best resources for any Eurovision fan, sixonstage.com is a database for anybody who has ever been on the Eurovision stage. It is ideal. And that isn't a paid plug, by the way. It is not a paid plug. It is not. Uh, but well worth you checking out. But anyway, the Roop were in the competition at the weekend. And it seems like they are a shoe-in to win the final uh, at the weekend because they are the only artist in any of the heats to top the public and the jury vote. Well, I guess we will have to wait and see at the weekend then, won't we? And it is a very busy weekend on the way. It's another Super Saturday on Saturday because we have got four songs that will be picked for Eurovision 2024. Uh, They include Lithuania, of course. But the other countries picking their entry on Saturday are Moldova, Estonia and Denmark. Uh, Also, James, you've already mentioned uh, Melfest. Of course, heat number three is on Saturday. And also we have the first semi-final in Iceland as well. So plenty to look forward to there. Yes, but sticking with last Saturday and last week, of course, because we had San Remo back on our screens and all over my timelines online. Couldn't escape the thing. It's, it's proving to be more popular year on year. So I decided to have a sit down with Marta Cagnola, who is a journalist and presenter for Radio 24 in Italy and spent a full 10 days in San Remo to cover the festival in full. 
Uh, we spoke on Monday evening after she'd had a very long drive back home. Uh, we chatted about all things San Remo, but I had to start naturally by asking her about the winner, Angelina Mango. Uh, first of all, her name is very important in Italy because her father was famous singer-songwriter and a very loved uh, singer-songwriter. He passed away 10 years ago when Angelina was only 13. And he passed away uh, in, a, in a horrible way because he had a heart attack during concert. He was singing his uh, uh, most famous song, which is Oro, which means gold. And he died in a heart attack, poor heart attack during um, a concert. Uh, Angelina grew up with her mother, uh, who is, um, who was, um, she, she, she doesn't perform any, any, she nearly doesn't perform anymore, mm. Laura Valente. So we, we know her since she was a child, but she started to sing professionally maybe four years ago. Uh, she started to perform with, uh, um, in, in, in uh, uh, clubs. And then she had uh, some little records, you know, for, for a few people, but uh, the music business already keeping an eye on her. And then she participated, she took part in the main Italian um, talent show, which is Amici, it means friends. And people instantly fell in love with her. She had three major, major hits in a row uh, in um, less than a year. And we were all waiting for her and she she didn't disappoint the audience because uh, the song is fresh. She owns the stage and we can see uh, a lot of future for her career. What does the public think? What does the press think? Because we saw she didn't win the televote or she, she came second at least. Uh, but then she topped both of those juries as well. So clearly very popular. Well, uh, it's a it's a hot topic in Italy right now. <laughs> but, you know, the... The runner-up, Geolier, is a, a very famous rap artist. He's mm. very young, urban artist. He's very young, uh, like Angelina. But he has got a very strong fan base. And above all, uh, he, he is from a very, how can I say, passionate town, which is yes. Naples. And all the town uh, just stood up for him. We have... Um, very famous TikTokers who showed on their TikToks that they own uh, 10, 15 um, different smartphones with uh, dozens and dozens of SIM cards to vote. So the televote is the popular vote, but also the fan base vote. It's like if in Eurovision, everybody could vote for their country. I was surprised not to see Mahmood do do so well because, you know, you just mentioned TikTok there. When I'm scrolling on TikTok, I see his song almost every other video. It's clearly very popular online, but he didn't make it to the, the sort of super final at the end. He just came sixth in the end. So so fairly close, but but not, not a winner overall. Yes, I was surprised too. I voted for him in the uh, fourth night, the the cover night. I don't mm -hmm. like the cover night, but we we have this <laughs> we have this comp we have this competition. Of course, he didn't want to win because he won three times Sanremo because he won Sanremo Giovani, uh, the competition of the young artists, and yeah. then he won Sanremo with Soldi, and then he won Sanremo with Brividi. So he did he he. He was sincere when he said, I don't want to win once again, <laughs> because I, I don't want to sound 
you know, boring or uh, presumptuous. Uh, I just want to participate. And he wants, he wanted to participate above all because he has a new album on the market. He um, uh, waited a, a lot of time for this album. So he wanted to show him in the most important, on the most important stage in Italy, which, which of course is Sanremo. I was so impressed with Sanremo as a whole and how popular it was this year. It is hugely popular anyway, but this year, what, 14 million viewers for, for the final, a 75% share of the audience. Uh, you told me a little bit earlier, Rai made around 60 million euros for advertising yep. as well? Yep, 60 million 182,000 euros. Oh, well done for remembering that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's my job also. Um, it's Amadeus effect. Do you think that's what it is? Because you know, yes. he's been presenting that show for a number of years now. He's been the, the is it the artistic director as, as well? Yeah, it, yeah he's, a, he's the artistic director. He chooses the song. But uh, the most important thing he said is that he wanted to make Sanremo younger. When I was a child or young girl, Sanremo, you, you couldn't say you, you love Sanremo. It was a guilty pleasure. You, you <laughs> couldn't say it because it was for older people. With uh, social networks, with the, the second screen trend, young people started to know Sanremo because they they could uh, speak about Sanremo in, I don't know, Instagram or TikToks or uh, the old Facebook or the old X. But then Amadeus came and he decided he wanted to captivate the younger audience. He started to choose very young artists. But th there was a joke because he when he uh, started to announce the cast, uh, as I was saying in December, uh, he had this show to announce the cast. And when he was saying the names of the artists, all the people were commenting. And who's he? Who's she? I don't know him. I don't know her. <laughs> but they were um, very young artists and they were well known from the younger audience He's done a very impressive job over the last few years, it has to be yeah. said. Uh, and possibly we won't see him next year. We know he said this in the past where he's going to leave and then he gets tempted back. But do you think we, we might not see him next year? He doesn't want to make the sixth um, festival in a row. He wants to direct and host Sanremo sometime again in the future, maybe in the near future, maybe in a couple of years that we mm. don't know. But not next But day. he doesn't want to make the sixth Sanremo in a row. Of course, with uh, the TV ratings and uh, the advertising revenue, I don't know if Rai is going to uh, kidnap him in a, a <laughs> secret place and force him to make the sixth edition. But he was... He was very sincere when he said, I want to uh, stop for a while and do some other things. He's a very popular host of um, a quiz show in Access Prime Time. And he wants to try and uh, search for new TV formats um, abroad also. He wants to travel and he wants to catch some new ideas. Well, it'll certainly be interesting to see who takes over next year and, and when. 
uh, or if Amadeus comes back, we'll we'll soon see. Uh, but we'll wrap up. We'll we'll chat about Angelina just once more. What do you think her chances are at Eurovision? I know we've only got a handful of songs, but we can speculate. What what do you think her chances are with the rest of Europe? First of all, I'm happy that Italy sends every year um, different styles, different projects, different artists. We don't have a Eurovision kind of song. And I think that um, people are starting to love this variety of uh, choices from Italy. I think it's a very interesting choice, but it's, uh, once again, very different from what we sent before. So I'm very curious. I think uh, I think she's going to perform in a beautiful way. And I don't know if you know it, but uh, her um, manager and the the team who works with her is a, a all women team her manager is marta dona who discovered maneskin and she's marco mengoni's manager so she knows she knows how what she's to doing. do eurovision <laughs> <laughs> she ta- she speaks eurovision okay Exactly. So I think we're so Italy is definitely in safe hands. It's uh, let's put it that <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> well, Marta, thank you so much for your time today. I know clearly you've been very busy and now you're very tired. So I'm going to let you go. <laughs> I'm going to let you go and have a nap, uh, and maybe we can catch up in a few weeks or, or maybe at Eurovision itself. Yes, of course. I, and I would I would like to ask to say to you that you have to come to Sanremo next year, because if you come to Sanremo, you can see what Sanremo means for Italian people. I would love because it's to. A, it's a, a huge part of Italian history. I would love to. If you want to invite me, if I can be your plus one, I will be okay. there. <laughs> of course I will be. <laughs> Marta, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Like what you're hearing? Make sure to leave us a review and a rating whenever you're listening. So welcome back then to the Eurotrip podcast, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast. Thank you very much to Marta for chatting to James there, all about San Remo, a woman who I'm sure had a lovely long sleep at the start of this week after being in San Remo for 10 days. God, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't think it was. In, I don't think I included it in the chat. I think we spoke beforehand, but she said she often worked until about four in the morning. And then was back working at 10 o'clock because that's when the TV viewing figures come out. So I can't imagine she got much sleep last week. And she still agreed to chat to you for the podcast. She did, yes. I managed to twist her arm. Well, we are very excited to have Marta on the pod. And also she's going to Melbourne, isn't she? So hopefully we can catch up 
if we are indeed in Malmö, we can catch up with Marta there. And I'm sure that Italy will be featuring very highly in the countries who we will be saying might have a decent chance of winning Eurovision mm. 2024. Yeah, we mentioned before the break and before we heard from Marta, the competitions and shows that are on the way at the weekend, the countries that are selecting their artists for Eurovision this forthcoming weekend. Didn't mention Germany, James, of course. Germany put their act on Friday. <laughs> And Germany featuring very heavily in this podcast because the German head of delegation is on the podcast very, very shortly. Yes, I'm really not entirely sure how we missed that in the new section, but uh, there we are. We'll chat to her in just a moment. Yeah, really, really excited for you to hear that because she doesn't do many interviews. And what she says is quite illuminating, actually, in terms of Germany, what they're doing at Eurovision and also how they plan on reversing their current misfortune. But James... Two much happier things than Germany's results at Eurovision in recent years. We have to say a big congratulations to Eurotrip podcast listeners, Kira and Mark, who got married at the weekend. Hey, congratulations, Kira and Mark. Now, if only we'd have known and if only we'd have done this podcast earlier which wouldn't have worked but you know what i mean and we could have had that email from emily about eurovision songs at weddings and we could have Ah, could have done a whole thing couldn't we now i know that kira and mark they had a eurovision themed wedding which is very very Mm. exciting and i do know this little little tidbit for you Uh, the tables at the wedding were themed around eurovision songs so have you got any idea what you think the top table was I presume it's a winner. Uh, was it called Euphoria? It wasn't. No, it wasn't oh, well, called it, Euphoria. Well, was it an Irish winner? I guess they're Irish. Are they? So was it an Irish winner? It wasn't an Irish winner. Oh, I'm hitting the post here. Am I? Um, I don't know. Was it called Love Shine a Light? It wasn't, though. That would have oh. been funny. No, it wasn't. It was uh, Zitti Ebwoni. Ah, okay. 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 That's nice. And then all the other tables had Eurovision names as well. Yes, yeah, I know that Lou from Aerovision was at the, at the wedding with Connor from Aerovision. Uh, I know that Lou was sat at at Tattoo. The tattoo <laughs> was a table. Nice. Um, I don't know what the other. I don't know what the other tables were. Um, so, Kira and Mark, if you're listening and you want to get in touch uh, and tell us what the other tables were at the wedding, we would love to hear that. Um, we'd love you to tell us, and we can share it with everybody. Um, although, are they listening, or are they probably on their honeymoon, and they might listen back to this? They might be having a Eurovision-themed honeymoon. You never know. I don't know what that would be. The Eurovision cruises aren't a thing until May, are they? Oh, are they not? Are they not? Are they not yet in operation? Maybe, maybe they're putting it off until the cruises are in operation. Uh, special shout out as well to Kira and Mark, by the way. They've not just got married, but you might remember Kira and Mark because they came to our event in Liverpool. They came to Sugar and Dice. And also, they told us that they listened to the podcast together, which I enjoy very much. So, uh, congratulations from us. And I'm sure from all of you listening to, to Kira and Mark. When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotour Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, indeed. But shall we now look ahead to not the forgotten Germany? We didn't forget about them. We promise, we promise. Uh, let's chat to Alexandra, the uh, the head of delegation for Germany. Yeah, it goes without saying, Germany at Eurovision in recent years, not gone that well. As you will hear in this conversation, I say to Alexandra, the head of delegation from Germany, I'm not going to read the results out to you because you know what they are already. Now, she was very generous with her time. We caught up in the week, of course, 
that Germany are holding their selection show on Friday. So she is incredibly busy, but she joined me from her office inside the German broadcaster as she was preparing things for Friday night. And we chat all sorts. We chat about how she hopes to turn Germany's fortunes around at Eurovision. We talk about what it's like being a head of delegation at what is a very complicated time for the world of Eurovision, for reasons I'm sure you're all aware of. And we chat about all sorts of other stuff as well. She doesn't give many interviews, so it was brilliant to have her on the podcast. And here's what happened when I chatted to Alexandra Wolfslast, head of delegation from Germany, all about Germany and Eurovision and what we can expect. So Alexandra Wolfslast, Germany's head of delegation at the Eurovision Song Contest, welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It is brilliant to have you on the podcast. I think this is the first time we've had you on the podcast. So welcome. The first question has to be, how are preparations going for Friday? Uh, it's very, very busy, but preparations are actually going good. Um, we are working on the staging right now with, with each contestant. Uh, we just finalized the stage itself. So, yeah, and tomorrow the, uh, we start to do the rehearsals. So, yeah, it's going. <laughs> so, Alexandra, what is different this year? What have you done in 2024 that is different to how you have managed the German selection in, in previous years? Because some things are the same, but some things are different. Um, well, basically, we, we decided to go general with the idea that we started last year to have um, a variety of songs and music in, in, in the pre-selection. So this stayed the same. And we also um, have the idea that we start to stage, of course, on a you know, smaller level, since it's a smaller stage, uh, each singer act. Um, what was new this year is that we um, had also, we were also searching, because last year we were looking for singers and songs. And this year we were um, looking also for voices, basically, and matching them with different producers. So that was, this was uh, new. And in general, we um, went more to, to songwriters and producers and asked them to do something. And we're trying to also match uh, um, talents with songwriters and uh, and then we also had this little casting show let's put it that way uh, that we had to on top of that which was really um, also to have um, an earlier um, appearance you, you know the whole Eurovision subject and the bubble of course everybody's interested all year round but the normal German he only knows about Eurovision uh, in May. So we are trying to, to, that was one of the reasons why we had this format to have them earlier and earlier awareness of Eurovision and um, especially on our social platforms. Well, as you say, this year you have massively increased the number of Eurovision touch points, I suppose, for the for the German public. As you said, you've had the casting show, as you've called it there, with you know multiple shows leading up to the show that we're going to see on, on Friday. Was that a real intention from you to, as you say, increase awareness of Eurovision in Germany, change perceptions as well? As we've seen perceptions, of course, for the for the whole of the Eurovision Song Contest change in recent years as well. Yeah, that's true. I think, I mean, if you do the casting format like we did it with, with Ray Garvey as a very popular host and Conchita, of course, a very popular host also in the Eurovision world, um, we were kind of hoping that we also can show a little bit what is 
happening behind the scenes. Of course, we formatted it for TV or for um, ARD Mediathek. Actually, it was meant to be only streamed. Um, but it shows, I think, a lot what happens in reality, you know, like how to find people, how to match with them, how to work with them, um, that you need to to see how they perform, how they look, um, uh, to write a song. So this was also an intention to just, um, yeah, just show what is really happening behind the scenes. Although we only did it for, you know, this one talent that now is ending up in the German final. But actually, this is what happens mostly with all the talents that we are having in, in our pre-selections. So I think it's a good insight on what's happening behind the stage. Is another consequence of this, and I'm not saying that this is the main consequence, but is another reason for doing it to show the German public that you care, to show the German Eurovision fans that you care, that the broadcaster do care. You, 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 know, you, you, you want to put in the effort, you want to put in these selection shows, and, and Eurovision is important to, to, to you as the, as the German broadcaster. Yes, definitely. I mean, um, we do care, first of all, but a lot of people sometimes don't see that we care. Um, and, you know, you have a lot of things that are putting obstacles in the way. Uh, first is money, is always a subject, uh, but this is with all the public broadcasters, I think all over Europe right now, uh, a strong subject. Um, so we are trying to do with whatever we can, as much as we can. And uh, yes, and I, I, I do hope that people see that we definitely do care and try to do and find all the angles and whatever we can do and pull all the strings to um, to get good contestants in the, in the pre-selection and the final and then hopefully to Malmö. We'll talk about Malmö, of course. One of the questions, actually, that I wanted to ask you was about one of the changes you've made this year. I, I saw a few people talking about it today on social media, about the the different voting system in the final. So do you mind just talking us through kind of how you've... Have you changed the, the weighting ever so slightly? You've got the international jury, you've got the public. How, how are things slightly different this year? Uh, it's basically, it's 50-50 like it was last year, but we are doing both uh, basically like in Eurovision. So the 50% of the jury votes will have the 1 to 12 points and so will the public. So we don't, uh, I think last year we did it in percentages and uh, and votes. So now it's um, it's just basically like Eurovision where you have 1 to 12 points. And the intention is, as you said there, just to kind of replicate what you would see at Eurovision, presumably. I think it will balance out a little bit more the public vote and the jury vote. So, and I think it is very, I, but this is definitely my personal opinion. I think it's extremely, extremely important to have an international view on our contestants and not just the, um, you know, the national view, uh, because a lot of things um, influence, you know, is it a very famous person? Is it, uh, a, a per, you know, is it whatever, you know, it influences a lot. And I think, I do think it's very important that we um, have a good uh, international opinion on our contestants. It's interesting. I'd, I'd love to get your your thoughts on this. We've seen, obviously, your colleagues in various other nations in Europe have have almost changed the percentages, so they've weighted it more heavily towards the the viewing public. Now we've seen that in Norway and, and especially in Finland. Is that something that you would consider doing, or, or are you very happy with the the kind of fifty fifty, as you said, international jury and, and German public? 
Uh, yes, I think for now I'm very happy because we cannot take more away from the German public. That would be uh, not, at, at least not if you do a pre-selection, because then you don't have to do a pre-selection and do an internal um, selection. Um, I think like in Sweden, I mean, the goal should be that basically the the German public would vote the same as the international public, or at least, you know, getting very close to each other. Um, and I don't know if we are there yet, uh, to be honest. So for now, I think it's a it's a it's a good deal to have like a balance out between fifty percent international votes and fifty percent uh, public votes. But yes, I mean for the future, if we keep doing um, uh, pre selections and if we maybe should be successful one year in Eurovision, um, we might definitely change that and go more towards the public again. You mentioned how important you think it is to get the the view of, of the international viewers and international audiences and obviously international juries, as you will have in the final. We, we got a question in from Sophie, and she said that I think you had in, an international jury helping choose the entries, choose the songs that were shortlisted. Is is that correct? And, and what criteria were kind of they using to to pick the, the, the entries this year? Well, we they were not a jury, but they were um, we used them as experts. Um, and they were kind of like uh, our top 32 songs that we had in our um, selection. They basically judged them and gave us a hint on what, you know, the internet, what, what international uh, might work. But uh, we have to be also very careful with this because they only judge an audio. So they didn't know who it was. They don't, uh, they did not have a video or a stage performance um, so you got to be careful, but you get a good uh, idea on what songs might perform or might work uh, internationally. So, and that's why we use them. Uh, we got another question in from from Gina. She said, "Alexandra, what is the strategy? Do you do you want to go for a a public vote winner? Do you want to go for a jury vote winner? And do Germany actually want to win Eurovision?" Oh my God. <laughs> Well, I want to. I want to win uh, Eurovision. I think Germany wants to win as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it's it's hard to say. You know, I just hope that we find the right act. And in my, and if I could really wish for something, the act that the jury picks is the same act as the public picks. But I don't know if this is going to happen. You know, but this would be perfect because then you you know that uh, we pick you know choose an act that is. Um, you know, that Germany loves, which is also important. It's not important for Malmö, but hopefully we have also an act that will work uh, uh, at the end of the road as well, you know. But I cannot really say that I wish for one thing or the other. I just hope that we find a song that can be successful in Malmö. How difficult is it for you to, to kind of pick yourself back up every year? You know, we saw this, of course, and have seen this for many years. I'm talking to you from the United Kingdom. We've seen that many years from from the UK up until obviously the, the result was Sam in 2022. How, how difficult is it to every year go again? Let's do it. Let's win Eurovision. And and every year, obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to read out the results because you know what the results are. But how difficult is it to, I suppose, see the, the same headlines every Sunday morning after the show? Ah, it's horrible. I don't know how it was in England, but it's really horrible because, you know, my team, it's not just me, but we are like putting really a lot of effort in there. And I think it's a lot more than just a job for every one of us. And, uh, and we do it with a lot of passion. 
and we get, I mean, I'm only doing it since basically Corona, since Ben Dolich, uh, who, who couldn't start, um, was doing it. And it's, uh, and you were hoping and you're hoping every time and, and you're very close to the artist and you see those shattered dreams. And it's, you know, it's other, in every other job I did and I'm still doing, it's not such an emotional up and down like you have with Eurovision. So yeah, that is tough. And if you come back home and nobody is asking um, like, oh my God, you voted. But I mean, the public voted Lord of the Lost because it's definitely your fault that you're last again. So this is something that's really hard to, to swallow. But I mean, you get uh, a bit of... Uh, Thick as fair. I don't know how you say that in English. You a kind th of like a, 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 thick skin. a hard shell on. Yeah. So a little bit more of a hard shell on. And 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 you don't, because Eurovision is with everything that's 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 a national thing. Um, you're a superstar when you're winning and you're, um, you're shit basically when you're losing. So, and you, you just have to accept that. Well, if we talk about, the options that you have available to you then for, for 2024. How pleased are you with the songs that the, the German public and the international juries will be voting for on Friday? How pleased are you with the, the final shortlist that you've got? I'm actually quite happy. Um, if I mean, if, if I would have done the selection, I would have wished for a couple of um, songs from another music genre but we didn't get so have an even higher variety of of different different music genres but we couldn't find the right songs that would have a chance i think internationally so but yeah i think we do have um a couple of really really good songs uh uh in in our german final on friday uh, it just depends if uh, if my taste <laughs> is the taste of the juries and um, of the public vote. I don't know. But yeah, I think we have extremely good quality in there. Are there songs in there that you think actually 2024 is going to be is going to be different for Germany at Eurovision? I hope. And people tuning in on Friday, obviously people tuning in in Germany, people tuning in around Europe. What what can they expect from from the show? Have you got any any surprises planned, or are you just focusing on the songs? You're going to produce them really nicely, and it's going to be a really enjoyable watch. I think I hope it's going to be an enjoyable watch. Uh, so it's not well. There are some little surprises, especially for the German public, which I can't tell, of course, because they should stay surprises. Um, there's one thing that's going to be really cool, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of Eurovision fans are going to like it. Um, so, yeah, be prepared. But uh, definitely you're going to see nine very different acts um, with a very different staging, each one of them. And so I really hope that people enjoy that. And I hope that our artists are um, focused and that they perform right and that they sing good. And some of them are really brilliant singers, so I'm not too worried. But uh, you never know, you know. I mean, it's life. So we'll see. How difficult is your job this year? And especially, obviously, once you get to Malmo, given the, the very complicated situation we have with the contest and with the world right now, does that make your job even harder in 2024 to, to concentrate on Germany, but also everything else that's going around that? Um. I mean, yes, definitely. And I'd, I'd, I mean, the more... 
the more things happening in the world, the harder it's going to get. And I'm, I'm still hoping um, that we manage to keep um, your vision as unpolitical as it possibly can get uh, in those times, because I think it's so important, um, especially in times like these, to, to unite different cultures in music. And I mean, this is like the basis of the Eurovision Song Contest, and, and we should do everything to, to keep that, to keep this island of basically you know, peace and hope and everything is transported by, by the whole contest in a way, you know. And um, I really watch that with a big concern that we make a political discussion out of a lot of things within the Eurovision Song Contest. <clears throat> but that's uh, definitely my personal opinion. And then moving forward, the lights go down in the studio in Berlin on Friday. You have the German representative for, for Eurovision 2024. What happens? What's happening next? What is, what's the first thing on your agenda for next week? The first thing uh, will be to um, meet with our artist and uh, guide him through what's, what's going to happen. Um, actually, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe uh, we arrange a meeting with Chris from Lord of the Lost as well, because I think it's kind of cool for... We had this idea last year already. I think it's kind of cool for, for artists to speak to another artist who's been through all that uh, instead of me telling them, okay, you know, then we got to do this and this and this and this. So this is what we're going to do. This is the first thing we're going to do. We try to, to uh, give an uh, idea what's happening with pre-parties, yes or no, um, all that stuff, you know, postcard, uh, uh, postcards. We need to do the postcards and... Um, what is happening when and how are the rehearsals going in Malmö and stuff like that. And yeah, and then we go from there. And it, it all depends basically on which artists we're going to get, you know, on their schedule. Um, are they already, are they having a schedule already on the side? Like Lord of the Last Lost last year, they had a tour in, uh, <laughs> in South America, which kind of shocked us all. <laughs> But they managed well, but I mean, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, but that, that's going to be the first thing on the agenda. And then, as you know, we have to get everything together for the head of delegation meeting. So we have to sh make sure that we got everything that we need to turn in, director's video and so forth and so forth. So that's going to be the second next thing after oh, Friday. A lot of deadlines. A lot of <laughs> very many deadlines, yes. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then, Alexandra, last question from me. In an ideal world, what are you doing at, I don't know, let's say one minute past midnight after the Eurovision Grand Final has finished? What are you doing in an ideal world if we fast forward? Oh, my God. In, my, in an ideal world, I would probably open up a bottle of champagne because we have a good result uh, and enjoy it. That would, be, uh, that would be something that I would really, really enjoy. You know, wow. I really, I, I, I'm hoping so much not to be last again, believe me. Um, but, you know, whatever comes, I mean, we're going to work with it. Well, fingers crossed, as you said, that you're enjoying that champagne on, on in the early hours of Sunday morning after the grand final. I'm, I'm probably drinking, I'm, I'm probably drinking something anyway. <laughs> well, exactly. you, you may as well carry on at that point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Alexandra, it has been brilliant to chat to you thank you for giving us an insight into germany and the eurovision song contest very very nice uh, uh, nice to chat with you anytime 
see you on the road to Malmö. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> well, great to hear from Alexandra here on the Eurotrip this week. Uh, so much to take away. I think probably one of the most important things is that it sounds like she is genuinely really trying to improve the popularity of Eurovision in Germany. Not that it isn't already popular, but across the general population, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, what Germany have done this year? Alexandra mentioned it there. They've moved away from just having the one standalone show and they had a, a kind of casting show, as she described it, for that ninth and final act who will be taking part on on Friday night. So it was interesting what she said about the reasons for that being that she wants Eurovision to play a bit of a bigger role in TV schedules and hopefully that will help change perceptions of Eurovision in Germany a bit. They basically need they need a Sam, don't they? Everybody everybody needs a Sam, but Germany need a, need a Sam. And I would argue, James, that maybe Germany have a Sam in their national final. Well, we will see on Friday, won't we? Because it's not long to go. It's nice that they're holding it on a Friday. I do like that when a, when a broadcaster thinks, I'm not going to do it on a Saturday. I'm not going to put Eurovision fans against one another and what they're going to choose to watch. Put it on a Friday, you're probably going to get all the Eurovision fans watching. If I was in charge of picking the UK's entry, I, w- I would have a national final and I'd stick it at like 10 a.m. I'd stick it between like Bargain Hunt and Homes Under the Hammer on like a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I was going to say, at least you guaranteed all the eyes of fans at that time. Nothing else is happening at that point, is it? Guaranteed all the eyes of fans and also all the eyyes of people that are ill. Uh, children <laughs> that are bunking off school and a lot of old people. So I'm not sure you'd necessarily get the best entry. Uh, anyway, shall we wrap up with the one second song? Uh, I've got the scores written down, actually, Rob. You'll be amazed to hear. And it is... A, Very proud. Yeah, 11-6 to me currently. But you do have a chance to close the gap. If I start leading at any point in the weeks to come, are you going to stop writing it down? Have you only yes, written it I down because you're ahead? Indeed, uh, yes, I have. <laughs> I thought that might be the case. Oh, right. Shall, shall, shall I have a listen then? Because I think you've picked it this week. Let's do it. Yes, here is this week's One Second Song. Okay. Okay. I'm going to get some points, but I'm not going to get all of them. Okay, okay. You were, of course, looking for four points. The name of the song, the artist, the country it represented, and the year it took part. Uh, Let's hear it one more time. Okay, so I have had a complete mind blank over two things. So I'm going to guess one of them, and I literally can't even begin to guess the (laughs) other one. So I can tell you, James, that that is, of course, the song that brought Italy back to the Eurovision Song Contest. So that is Italy 2011. And then things get a little bit murkier. <laughs> I can't remember who sang the song, which is, is awful um, from me. So I'm really sorry. Uh, probably a Marco. They're all Marcos over in Italy, aren't they? What's it? Mar- Marco. Marco. What's an Italian sounding surname? Baggio. It was Marco Baggio <laughs> with. Um... Oh, no, it wasn't that song either, was it? I'm going to say Les Inzale, but that's not right. So go on. Oh, no, that was two years later, wasn't it? That was a mark with Marco Mangroni, wasn't it, in 2013? So some wires crossed. You do get two points for the year and the country. But it was Raphael Gulazzi with Madness of Love. Sai, è 
turn all the world around you seems to slip and disappear io non so più chi sei non mi importa chi sei I know for certain I won't bother you with nostalgia e vedrai un'altra te quasi invincibile viva come oh of course it was a song title in English Yes, yes, very well noted. Yes, it was a return, wasn't it, after a, a very long absence. Uh, but thrilling to have them back, and they've been back ever since. And not the winner of San Remo, either, of course. They weren't They weren't sending the winners of San Remo to Eurovision back then. Uh, good knowledge. Sorry, I wasn't really concentrating on what you said. I was just going to say good <laughs> knowledge, but I didn't even hear what you said. But I'm going to say good knowledge anyway, uh, as I was just uh, reminding myself why I chose it. For, for a fake bonus point, do you... I think you can probably figure it out. Uh, we were talking about Sam Remo, and that was Italy's first song when they returned to Eurovision in 2011. Yes, and where was Eurovision? Uh, it was in Germany. Very Ta-da. good. It was in Dusseldorf. We don't it, just throw this thing together, man. We don't just throw it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we definitely, definitely don't. It's always definitely very well thought through. Oh, well, there we go then. So that, therefore, means it is uh, U11 me 8. Yes, yes, I'm still keeping score because I still have a lead. That's fine, I'm still within touching distance. But of course, next week, James, you will have another opportunity to extend your lead when the one-second song returns. And yeah, who knows what will happen between now and then in the world of Eurovision. Or indeed, actually, we do know what will happen between now and then. And we're going to have another four songs picked over the weekend. Uh, And once again, James, I've forgotten Germany. So actually, it'll be another five songs because Germany are on Friday, (laughs) as you said. So we've got Germany on Friday. And then, coming up on Saturday, we've got Moldova, Estonia, Denmark and Lithuania. And that's at the very least, we might get a surprise internal selection drop at some point. But uh, whatever happens, we'll be back next Wednesday for your next episode of the Eurotrip to round up everything from the world of Eurovision. And of course, back on Monday for your next episode of Melfest Monday, focusing on everything Melody Festival. But in the meantime, don't forget you can keep in touch with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can email us, hello at Eurotrip Podcast. Dot com and you can read all of our exclusive stories on youtubepodcast.com uh, as well. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.